from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Are there other things going on in the world of sports? Are people still complaining about load management in the NBA? Are we still wringing hands about the NBA All-Star Game and effort level? I think so, because that's the part of the season we're about to get into with the NBA, where a lot of stars take games off. You want to see them be ready for the to the final stretch. You know, the, the NBA is actually more wide open this season it than is. I can even really ever remember. Maybe the 04, you know, Pistons year where that team won without a superstar. But mm-hmm. obviously they had a really good lineup and a, and a really good coach in Larry Brown. But that's where the NBA is. I mean, you're about to hit that stretch. And I heard some conversations about potentially offering insurance on tickets <laughs> for, for when stars opt Jeez. out. And I was like... Or either that, or just Wait, don't gonna, go to a game. Am I gonna have to pay extra in for the insurance? You know, yes, it's like when yes. I when I go to Expedia. But if, but, and I but buy if Giannis a doesn't, or LeBron or Giannis, or whoever doesn't play, I guess the theory is it goes. You get money back. I don't know, a, dude. That's just sound, that just sounds like another way to just wring more money out of you. It's like, hey, get get to uh, get a tonka. I'm sorry, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo insurance. I just have to say it slowly. To get it right. Anyway, so I, I know that coming out of the All-Star game, there's been some you know big philosophical discussions about the NBA and the rest of the season. And in the NFL, we're getting ready for quarterback franchise tag madness. Yeah, we're also, you know, Derek Carr talking today about how, or his brother, I should say, David Carr was talking about how mm-hmm. Derek's decision won't be a fast one. He'll be taking his time. We're getting close to the. Does he want presentations to the tag deadline for Lamar Jackson? <laughs> you know, I, I think it makes a whole lot of sense. If I'm the Panthers, I would even everything you had with with Cam Newton. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a smaller window than you would with a you know an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady. But guess what? Everybody's window is smaller than those two's window. Uh, I I would I would definitely give up the picks necessary and give Lamar Jackson the deal that would make him. I mean, it just makes a whole lot of sense to me. So, all right, let's let's actually start with Lamar Jackson before we get back to Derek Carr, what his brother David had to say, Panthers legend, had to say right. about uh, Derek Carr. And also, Frank Reich, new Panthers head coach, having some media availability today. Here's Jeff Darlington, ESPN insider, on Lamar Jackson and the franchise tag. I said this a couple of weeks ago when this really started to overheat, whether or not Lamar Jackson would actually play on the franchise tag. I said... What makes people think he would if he was willing to go into this season without the contract that he truly wanted? So what makes people think he actually would settle for a franchise tag? And here's Jeff Darlington laying that out. You're crazy if you think that Lamar Jackson is going to play on either tag, let alone the less expensive one. He ain't playing for $30 million. In fact, he ain't even going to play for $45 million this year. So that tag really is meaningless as it pertains to this season. All it does is ultimately buys you some time to either negotiate a long-term deal, the one that they want to get done with all that guaranteed money, or find a way to trade him for more than two first-round picks. I ultimately think that you got to understand Lamar Jackson's desires here and what he plans to do, and there is no way Lamar Jackson is playing on either of those tags. That's Jeff Darlington on ESPN, and I completely agree with him on that. Yeah, the only leverage Lamar Jackson has Mm -hmm. is to say, basically, I'm not going to sign that, I'm not going to play Mm -hmm. in that there's a hole then in their cap space and they won't be able that basically causes gridlock yes the the ravens would then be stuck on edwards mill road (laughs) waiting for the troopers to show up just waiting at 4 30 that's the only leverage he has because if you get that lesser the non-exclusive tag 
then he can go and negotiate with someone like the Panthers or mm. someone else who is in quarterback need that they have to have their next two first round picks available. That's the minimum. But you can work out a deal then from there that says, all right. Now, is Daniel Jones worth that on a non-exclusive? Daniel Jones is hiring a new agent and saying, I want $45 million. Good for him. Yeah. Always shoot for the high price and yeah. negotiate down. You know, And you know where the quarterback market goes. And that's the thing. You know where the quarterback market goes. It, it, it's always going up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So here's uh, Jordan Renan on ESPN, their Giants insider, on the fact that Daniel Jones, Duke legend, is going to get a non-exclusive franchise tag if they can't get a deal done. The non-exclusive franchise tag is the tag that guys get. No, once once you put that tag on him, and I know people are like, oh, go get him, let him negotiate. No, once you put a tag on a guy, nobody's giving up two first-round picks and then paying 40-plus million on top so, of that. So you put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, he'll basically be back. And the Giants are bringing him back. It's just a matter of whether they strike a deal before the tag window or have to use the tag. And that's why I brought that up. You know, I'm with you. Lamar Jackson on a non-exclusive? Yeah, you pay that money and you give up the two first-round picks. Totally agree with, uh, in agreement with you on that. Not, not so much on Daniel Jones, who's a nice quarterback, but no. Played the game of his life against the Vikings yeah. in the wild-card round of the playoffs, yeah. but then was brought back to earth by the Eagles in the divisional round. He looked like he had never played football before mm -hmm. in the game against the Eagles. It was, it was like, shocking. Meanwhile, Frank Reich, new Panthers head coach, had some media availability today. Now that the Panthers coaching staff is set, the the big eye opener. They, they they got some. It's not all old crusty guys, right? Uh, but Jim Caldwell joining the Panthers coaching staff as a special assistant, essentially, was the thing that really kind of opened up some some eyeballs. And Reich talked about why he's brought in so much NFL experience into Bank of America Stadium. Just a, a diversity of thought. You know, guys, guys that have, with that kind of experience have been in a bunch of different systems. They've been through the wars. They've been through the ups and downs. They've learned how to solve problems. They've learned how to work with players of all types, work through issues. It's a long season. Um, guys who know how to collaborate together, um, work through issues as, as a staff, as a team. Um, strong conviction, but no egos. Um, I think experience brings that. Sometimes I think that's a little undervalued. Sometimes I think it gets a little undervalued, but really happy to have great experience on the staff. So that's Frank Reich, head coach, Carolina Panthers. Here's Jim Caldwell, who met with the media as well, on what exactly his role with the Panthers will be this upcoming season. My role, and I think Frank probably described it to you um, earlier, that I'm just going to be a little bit of everywhere in terms of the offense, working with the defense some, and then also with the special teams unit. And so I get an opportunity to kind of move around place to place, room to room, um, listen. Um, and if there's questions asked of me, I could give my advice and those kinds of things. Um, but um, but specifics in terms of the quarterback, there was, we had a lot of really quality quarterback folks in that room with those quarterbacks. So I don't think they need my two cents. <laughs> so that's Jim Caldwell. Uh, former uh, Colts coach, former Detroit Lions coach, Wake Forest coach back in the day. Wake Forest, man. Never forget his time at Wake Forest and uh, on what his role is going to be with the team. And look, I like I like what they're doing, but you and I both agree, Joe, it's great that you can put this experienced staff together. What are you going to do with quarterback? That, that's the thing that has to get figured out for the success of this. And Frank Reich, I'm not saying anything that Frank Reich doesn't know. We talked to Frank Reich a couple weeks ago when he got the job. He had through five different quarterbacks in five years. 
and that'll get you out of here real quick, man. Real quick. That's Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. It's the OG. If you missed anything from today's show, check it out on the Best of the OG podcast. We're about 250 subscribers away from the Forbidden Glizzy footage. So, I got to say, too, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And Video Joe has done a lot of great work for us. He has. This is his best work. <laughs> That's saying something. So, uh, hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Look up 99.9 The Fan Raleigh. Hit the subscribe button. Leave comments. Hit the likes on the videos. All that fun stuff. We want you to manipulate the algorithm in our favor. That's that's what we need. That's what I want. That's what I'm asking. And in return, I will give you footage of me eating a Kirkland dog that was stuffed into a chicken bake at Costco. That seems like a fair trade, right? It's actually you just want to see the process. It's not really about you eating the the forbidden glizzy. It's Look, man, the process of creating Joe, what I always tell said you, glizzy. What I always tell you. You got to lean in. There's always something for everybody. No, that's true, too. So, just saying. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Field of 68, he is Terrence Oglesby, an ACC legend, a Clemson legend. An actual, true ACC legend. Yes, yes, for real. All right, so Terrence, I texted you. And like, hey, man, come on, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just giving you a heads up. We'll talk about the whole, is the ACC, like, actually bad? Are we just making this a thing? And you just hit me with, short answer, yes. That doesn't make for a very good radio segment, though, Terrence. So we got we to gotta expand on that, man. <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't, aren't in for the short answers. No, <laughs> no, no. We got we to gotta stretch this out. No, you know what? I saw a couple of things, too. Jeff Cable came out and said, you know, the ACC isn't – you know, the network isn't helping you out, this, that, and the other. Like, guys, there, there were two teams in the ACC that had one win or less through the first 10 games of the season. Mm-hmm. That's not the media. That's that's proof right there. And yeah. then not only that, those two teams that were doing that, one of them has six wins in conference. You tell me how that happens. <laughs> and then you have a Louisville team who really is about as poorly made up a team as you can make a team. Yeah. And they come and beat Clemson when Clemson cannot afford to lose. They're very much on the bubble. It guys, the, the league's not very good. Okay. North so Carolina has been disappointing. Duke is young and trying to figure it out under John Shire. So your flagship pro- programs mm-hmm. are, are in reform basically. So there's a lot going on. Who else is carrying a weight? Now Pitt is carrying their weight. Uh, and I would say that Capel's, you know, coach of the year, but it's a matter of, Guys, the proof's in the pudding. The, the, the script of, all oh, the media's doing us dirty is getting a little mm-hmm. old. It's been running for a long time now. Terrence Olgas will be joining us here on the OG Field of 68. Check him out on YouTube, podcasts, all that fun stuff. All right. I don't disagree with your overall statements, but and Jillio and I get into these conversations all, all the time. Okay. What? Well, it's interesting that the first thing you point out was the bad teams, right? Yeah. Because – one thing that I – I'm not an ACC apologist, I promise. Mm. But the one thing I've never understood, and this this isn't you, okay, so please don't take this personally. No. When no. we talk about SEC football, do we ever talk about Vanderbilt? Yeah. Nah. 
Do we ever talk about the teams who aren't good? No. But by the same standard, when an SEC team wins a national championship in football, it's the SEC is really good because Georgia won the national championship, because Alabama sure. won the national We never talk about the bad teams. Sure. But for some reason, our instinct, and you're just an example of this, is let's talk about the bad teams when it comes to ACC basketball. And it's hard when Duke and Carolina aren't in the top five, in the top ten. It is mm-hmm. hard to sit there and say, well, judge us for the good teams. Mm-hmm. I to get counter that, that part of it. To, count, yeah. to counter that, to counter that. I agree with what you're saying. The SEC is a sham, too, outside of Alabama and a couple of good teams. <laughs> but like, let's, not, let's not, like, ignore that fact. But yes. to counter your point, yeah. there's more games in basketball. Sure. And the we problem have, we have is more there's data. more opportunities yeah. for those bad teams to win games against the middle of the pack. And the problem is when you're trying to get seven, eight, nine teams in the tournament, like we've become accustomed to the ACC doing, like those bad teams have to be good losses. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem. And, uh, it's and, definitely unusual to, to look at the bottom of the league and where they are. It, that is definitely unusual this year. There's no that, doubt about but that. That's the prob- but that's yeah. the problem is those teams are now beat. Those bad teams are now beating the Because Florida State's not bad there. I mean, they're well, athletic see, as all get out. And that's know? the thing. And that's the thing. <laughs> Terrence Oglesby joining us here on the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Obvious. So I'm not disagreeing with the overall premise, but there's a couple more larger philosophical issues that I've been trying to pound the table when it comes to to college basketball in general. All right. What do you like? Monster. Yeah. Who's the monster? Like I'm watching Duke last night against Virginia. They they now have the Saturday to Monday turnaround and John Shire is finally getting a healthy group to understand who they are. One thing, and Jillio has been tired of me hearing about this, this is probably like the most likable Duke team we've had in quite some time. A bunch of dudes <laughs> who understand their role, okay? I don't want to call Duke a lunch pail type team, but they're willing to win in muck it up dirty games, right? Mm-hmm. And now their offense is kind of starting to coalesce because they're all healthy, Sure. And John Shire also cycles through lineups like a fiend, okay? Sure. And none of these guys has a problem. There's no moping about playing time. If Derek Lively doesn't have it today, here comes Ryan Young. Oh, okay. I need Grandison to come in and hit some big threes for me. Nobody's getting upset about that kind of stuff. So I look at Duke kind of coming on with the context. They're not the same team that they were back in November. And I wonder to myself, are we judging this and obsessing over things that happened in November, December, and January? And not understanding that teams can improve over time. I almost feel like the timeline for college basketball should be shifted because of transfers, freshmen, and everything else that goes on, that these are not the teams that we should be judging net and Ken Palm numbers on because what happened in November is like 10 years ago in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. And I'm 100% in agreement there. I think okay. the net and Ken Palm, it all, it all you know, convolutes everything of what you're trying and it's going on. But... Another problem, too, is, is, is you alluded to it, is the, the ACC relies on super talented freshmen. They rely on a lot of transfers, super talented transfers. They come in. It takes a second for those teams to get going. So how do you adjust that narrative? Maybe you switch the season up. Maybe you play some earlier conference games in the season. The ACC started to go towards that. So at least if you're losing and learning, then you're not killing yourselves in the non-conference. Maybe you maybe you slide the ACC Big Ten Challenge, or it's no longer going to be a thing. Move that to the <laughs> beginning of February. Yeah. Move that to the end of January, to where now now you're playing at a point in time where teams have figured each other out. I I love what you said about John Shire and Duke and how he's going through lineups and everything like that. He's also figured out, hey, I can let Tyrese Proctor bring the ball up, and then Jeremy Roach can become a playmaker 
mm-hmm. in the half court when he doesn't have to worry about bringing it up and then becoming a playmaker. Like he, it takes time to figure these things out when you have so many new players. I, I think that's a massive part of this. The problem is, is these are the metrics. These are the ones because there's 360 something odd teams in the NCAA, you have to use some type of metric to quantify what is happening because there's yeah. just so many teams. And then on top of that, they're not taking into context that, hey, Bob Miller was suspended. That guy's really good. Florida State was injured at the beginning of the season. First seven games, they were playing with seven players where Leonard Hamilton and his style of play usually plays nine to ten. They're not thinking about that. They're not thinking about Florida State going one and nine. All they know is Florida State went one and nine. They're not thinking about Kenny Payne and Louisville and trying to figure things out and playing Jalen Withers at the two when he was an all-freshman team member at the five. They're not, they're not having that in context. Like the, the good teams have been good. The problem is you can't lose to the bad teams because they turn into quad four losses. So if you're going to have to quantify them, that's where the issue lies because those losses in the early part of the season kill you. Look at Clemson and their South Carolina loss. That was a quad four loss at a time where PJ Hall was on a minutes restriction. They were still trying to figure out who their point guard was. You got to shift your scheduling around. You got to figure something out from that part. If, if the commissioner even wants to take that on, it's February still thinking about football. So like that, like that's your problem. You got to figure some things out. Yeah. Terrence Oglesby, Phil is 68. Check him out on his podcast. He's joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. That's Joe Obvious. I'm Joe Giglio. Let's talk a little bit about Clemson because we'll see them at the end of the week uh, here in Raleigh. They'll play NC State. They've lost four or five. They were 10 and one in the league. We've, we've covered the Louisville loss. Um, I'm, I'm curious though, when you were a player, did you enjoy the return games, the run it back games? Did you enjoy seeing that team a second time and having that familiarity and maybe even knowing, okay, uh, Scott Wood's going to run to the corner. I know where this play is going, you know, some of those types of things. Uh, to be honest with you, it was all a blur for me, and I was so one-track minded anyway. I was just trying to catch it and shoot as fast get it, as not possible. Get him up. <laughs> so, like, there, wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of forethought there. It was like, hey, what part of the press do I need to stand at just so I can take some defense? And then after that, like, well, how quick can I catch it and shoot it? Can now, I find uh, Booker? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's Booker at? I need my backup. I can talk trash as long as Booker's got my back. Uh, no, I think the run it back games are huge, especially whenever – you, you know, it's a one-point game or a two, three-point game. You kind of – you're a little bit more familiar. You know what each player is going to do a little bit better. And you can scout report all you want, guys. And coaches, they put so much emphasis on fast scout, and, you know, film study and all that stuff. But it's really not the same until you, like, feel a guy cutting through the lane. It's really not the same until you're trying to get open and a guy's holding you a little bit. Like, until you figure those things out, it's really hard to predict. Those second ones are typically uh, – at least I would have a little bit better of a feel of, of how I could attack a guy. There's some guys who didn't think like that, but for somebody who was six, two, a buck 90, like, and having to guard six, six, you know, two ten, I had to do stuff like that. So for me, those return games would obviously the, the second time around would usually be a little bit better for me just because I, I could prepare accordingly and kind of know where those openings were going to be. Terrence Oglesby, Clemson legend. Field of 68, we appreciate the time, man. Um, sometimes I think maybe we get a little too caught up in, in defending the ACC that we just got, got, got a little tough love. 
little tough love from time to time. Hey, you know? Guys, I fought the good fight until about a week ago. And then <laughs> yeah, the like I get, look, I'll be honest. Like, I get tired of Goodman, you know, and, like, the basketball Illuminati I mean, trying to act like one-bit ACC. I mean, like, come on, guys. Come on. If I got to see Fanta telling me about some Big East game one last time, I'm like, come on. Yeah. Let's go. Hey, I'm fighting the good fight, man. I, I fought it all year, but there came a point where it's like, hey, Louisville's won three games. You can't yeah. go and lose a game at Louisville and expect to get in the tournament. That's nah, tough. Just one. can't that's happen. Like, it, that, that's the that's the problem. Like, it, you know, coaches are going to complain and all that stuff. You, guys, you got to win games. Yeah. Like, it's not anybody else's fault. You got to win games. You got to protect your schedule a little bit, and then have people complain about strength of schedule later. But like, win games in the non-conference. Terrence, we appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.